All right, grab your Bibles this morning as we jump into the book of Colossians. If you're here with us today for the very first time, man, welcome to Antioch Church. We are so blessed and we're so delighted that you guys are here with us today. So many incredible churches in Colorado Springs. We really are blessed to be in a city with so many rich churches, rich in the spirit, rich in the word, rich in community. And we just happen to be one of them. And we're glad that you guys are here with us. My name is Jay Duncan. I've been here in this church for 16 years, 17 this August. And we are delighted to serve in the senior capacity for the past 11. And uh, we're just so happy that you're here with us today. Colossians chapter one, we are in week four, I believe. Week four of our series in Colossians and we still haven't gotten out of chapter one. That's how, that's how good Colossians is. So I am going to pray this prayer over you. I've been praying this prayer over you guys all week long. What a joy it has been to pray for you and to pray the words of Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 12. So I'm going to open up our time to get today by praying Colossians 1 9 through 12 over your lives. Father, Lord, I just agree with the Apostle Paul who said, for this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Father, thank you that there are fathers in the faith. God, thank you that there are intercessors in the faith. Thank you that there are pastors in the faith, brothers and sisters in the faith, oh God, that are praying for us. And today, I just declare over you today that I am praying for you. I have not stopped praying for you, and I am continually asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Right now, every situation, every circumstance that you are facing, every decision that you must make, I am praying that God would fill you, that you would be filled to overflowing with the knowledge of his will, that you would know deep in your bones, this is indeed the will of God for my life, my marriage, my family, my business, my ministry. Pray that he would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, so that your life would point to Jesus in a fresh way, so that the manner in which you live your life would bring worship to Jesus and that you would please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God more and more. I pray today that you would be strengthened with power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and that you may have patience and that you would give joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 What a rich prayer. And I just think that the prayers that Paul writes are meant to be prayed. This past Wednesday morning, we gathered with about 20 guys right here in the front of this room, and we prayed these three verses. And out of these three verses, there are actually 12 prayer points that emerge out of these verses. And we just use this as our guide into 
praying for one another and into praying for the church. And guys, let me just encourage you, man. If you have not prayed the word of God, it will cause the word to explode in your lives. It will cause the word to just be activated in your life in a fresh new way. And you don't have to pray lengthy passages. You can just pray little phrases. In fact, this week, this phrase, oh God, would you fill me with the knowledge of your will? That's just what I went to bed with every night. Sometimes I just lay down the carpet, put worship on, and I would just pray, God, fill me with the knowledge of your will. Fill us with the knowledge of your will. Let the knowledge of your will just be overflowing in my heart, in my head, and in my mind, in my attitude, in every situation that I face. Let the knowledge of your will just flow out of my life. Take little phrases in the word. Take little phrases that Paul praise and make those your prayer. Make them like breathing and you'll find that you're entering into the spirit of the life of the word. So today we're going to continue our series in growing together. Week one, we talked about growing together in prayer. Week two, we talked about growing together in fruitfulness, the main fruit of our lives being love. Last week, Pastor Jonathan did an outstanding job talking about growing up together in Christ And today we're going to be talking about growing up in the will of God, growing up in the will of God. How many of you are in the room today and you would say, I need to know the will of God. There are decisions that I'm facing. How many of you guys can go back to a key point in your life where you needed some, you needed some discernment on the will of God. And you entered into this wrestling process, trying to discern God. What is it that you're saying? What is it that you're doing? What is it that you're leading in me into? See, I think Paul, as he was writing to this church here in Colossae, one of the reasons he's writing this particular prayer to this church of young believers is he knew this. He knew that part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that we are a people who are growing in two things. We are growing in a desire to know the will of God, and we are growing in our discernment of the will of God. Let me just talk about the desire to know God's will. That word desire to know God's will really is a relational statement. It's a relational statement. And what I mean by that is this, when I first came to the Lord, following the will of God and knowing the will of God was not a relational statement to me. It was a pressure, it was an obligation. How many of you ever felt that in your life? You felt this overwhelming, paralyzing pressure to be in the will of God. And it was was almost this sense of God, if if I'm not in your will, then I'm going to be punished. Right, but I think what Paul is trying to get into the young church at Colossae is the desire to know the will of God is the desire to know God himself. Now I want you to think about this. When you know God's will, essentially you're saying this. You're saying, God, I care about the things that you care about because I love you. So when you're, when you're in this place of pursuing the will of God, I want you guys to reframe this from a relational perspective. I want you to kind of recalibrate in your heart, God, I wanna know your will because I want to care more about the things that you care about. That's what knowing the will of God is. It's learning to discern, God, what's important to your heart? Those of you guys who are in marriage relationships, You know that the longer you live with your spouse, hopefully you are learning the will of your spouse. 
And over the course of time, you may find that you begin to care about things that you didn't care about before you got married to this person, right? You could even translate this even into friendships and into maybe your roommate relationship. I was thinking actually about my friendship with Jonathan. There are things that I care about now after five years of being in the yoke of friendship with this man that honestly I was just ignorant to, I was oblivious to before I entered into friendship. But because of my love for Jonathan, the things that are important to him, they are becoming more and more important to me. That's what's happening in our relationship with God. The more you get to know the heart of God, the more you realize God cares about certain things. Like in my journey with the Lord, and you guys have heard this story, some of you many times, there is a benchmark moment in my life when God called me to go to the nations. And I was wrestling with the Lord and saying, God, I don't, I don't wanna go to the nations. I feel called to the United States of America. And out of my love for God, God captured my heart. And before I knew it, I began to love the nations in a way that I never had because of my love for God. Right, the second thing that we begin to understand about growing in our desire to know the will of God is this. It's not just loving the things that God loves. It's actually learning to understand the wisdom of God. Learning to understand the wisdom of God. And here's what I mean by this. I mean that when you love someone and when you trust someone in your life who has a will, even though you don't understand it, even though you may not agree with it, out of the nature of the relationship, you want to understand it more. Are you with me this morning? Let, let, let me give you a little example here, and I can take this from even some of the things that are happening in, in our own family. You know, my, my oldest daughter is 13 years old, and she's cresting that territory of technology and phones. And so, babe, can I just use you as an example here and some of the things that, that we're learning together? And, and you, you can use this in any situation of your life, right, where the answer may be no, right? So let me just give you an example here. So when you go to the Father, and maybe the things that you desire, maybe the things that you're asking for are, are a no, what I find is that there's, there's a little bit of a process here. Now, now keep in mind, we're, we're talking about discerning and desiring the will of God, desiring what God wills for our lives. So for us, the, the topic is, is smartphones, right? And I had a freak out moment probably a little bit over a year ago when uh, I took a look at one of the, the apps that my daughter was looking at. And it was just, it was very very innocent app. It was a karaoke app. But one of the things that I noticed was all of the outside world who now had access to my daughter's heart, to my daughter's identity, to my daughter's mind. And I thought, I, I don't, daddy's heart. I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of wrestling. I'm struggling with this right now. And so I asked her, I said, can, can mom and dad have a little bit of time to read some books, listen to some podcasts, have a lot of conversations, pray about this and try to figure out what is going to be good for you. And our daughter, she said, she, 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 said, she said yes, right? Now let me walk you through this process. This is not necessarily what she went through, but this is kind of what we, get, what we go through. Number one, we go through dad does not approve. 
right? The answer is no, and dad would not approve of this decision I'm about to make. Whatever it is, whatever the decision is, dating or phones or what have you, dad would not approve. Number two, we go into, you know, I, I know dad loves me. I trust his heart. And, and I, think, I think I trust his wisdom on the matter, but I still don't agree, right? I don't know if I agree with that. I don't like his decision. Number three, we go into, well, I think I understand why dad doesn't approve, but I still don't agree, right? Notice the difference. Number two is I trust his heart and I think that he knows what he's talking about, but I don't agree. Now we go into, I, I understand, like, I understand why he's saying no, but I still disagree, right? Look at number four. I understand why dad doesn't approve and now I agree with it. This is right. But look at number five. I am beginning to see more and more not only why he disagrees or disapproves, but now I'm beginning to see another way. In other words, it's not just the phones is no. It's not just the phone is bad. It's not just there are certain things with this that could bring damage to my heart and my identity and my soul. Now there is, there is another way. There's an invitation into another way for me, whether that be reading or recreation or whether that be deepening our relationship or taking time to strengthen our identity. Or, so now it's not just no, it's there's actually an invitation for something else. Are you walking with me here? I'm beginning to see more than dad's approval. I can begin to see the wisdom and the life of his counsel away from fruitless things and towards things that lead to life. Now look at the last thing. The last thing is this is my decision. I see it. I understand it. I embrace it. And this has become my conviction. This has become my choice. And this is what we're talking about when Paul says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. He's talking about getting us to the place where God's will and our will are one. He's talking about getting us to the place where we're saying, I'm not just obeying God because I want to be blessed or I don't want to be judged. Paul is saying to be filled with the knowledge of God's will is to enter into a relational wrestling match with God so that you get to the place where you say, Father, not only do I love the things you love, but I see the wisdom in what you are saying and I choose wisdom. I choose the life of your will because this, listen guys, you have to get this today. The will of God, the will of God is always for the ultimate good. And here's, here's the lie that the enemy brings to us. He brought it to Adam in the garden. He brought it to Eve in the garden. The, the lie that the enemy brings is, is that the Lord wants to manipulate you and control you and coerce you and, and keep good from you. And then he says to you is that you have the ability to choose your own will and you know better what you should do for you. That's what the enemy brings to us. You know what's better for you than he does. And what we have to come to a revelatory understanding and submission and agreement of is that the will of God is the ultimate good for our lives. And it's the ultimate good for what God is doing in 
the world. So the third thing here is not only do we come to love what God loves, not only do we come to trust the wisdom of his counsel, but to desire the will of God is to desire God himself. Please hear this today. To desire the will of God is to desire God himself. It's God, I want greater intimacy with you. I don't want to just obey. I don't want to just perform. I don't want to just be blessed and not be cursed. I, I want to know you. I want to, I want to know the things that, that you carry deeply in your heart. I want to know your character and your will. I want to know the facets of the inner workings of your heart. I don't want to just feed the poor because that's good. I want to feed the poor because you care deeply about the poor. And because I know you, I know that this is what you would do in this situation. To be filled with the knowledge of God, guys, watch this. To be filled with the knowledge of God is that in every situation, in every circumstance of your life, you can say, I know, I know what God would do in this moment. I know what God would do in this moment. You see, our, in our family, we're, we're trying to teach our kids how to, how to create a culture of encouragement and life-giving in our family trying to teach our kids not to shame one another, not to alienate, not to ostracize one another. We're trying to teach our kids, listen, when you do this to one another, you're actually hurting the heart of mom and dad. And we're, we're desiring to teach these values here at the family table so that when they go into the world and they're in a classroom or they're in a hallway or someone makes you know, a mistake, that the value of that translates into, man, we're gonna be kind and we're gonna be generous and we're gonna be encouragers to the world around us. Guys, that's, that's what's happening in the heart of God. That when we draw into the heart of God and we realize that God is not an excluder, he's an includer. When we realize that God is not someone who is, who is distancing himself from the hurting and the broken, God is entering into the pain. We, we learn these things and we become immersed in his will so that in every situation we go, I know exactly what God would do here. Right? You want to know what the will of God is? Look at the life of Jesus. Right? When Jesus prays these prayers, he teaches us to pray this prayer. We prayed it today. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Guys, listen, please don't miss this. You cannot divorce the kingdom of God from the will of God in the character and the nature of Jesus. This is what this means. You cannot call something the kingdom of God when it clearly is in contradiction with the will of God as expressed in the life of Jesus. Yes. You cannot look at empire and conquest and call that kingdom of God when the spirit and the nature is in direct contradiction to the will of God revealed in the life of Jesus. Right? Yes. And how do we know this? Because when you walk closely with someone, you know what they desire. You know what is important to them. You know the manner and the tone in which they approach the situations of life. So that's all, that's all learning how to desire the will of God. Friends, I want to be a man who wants what God wants. To be a Christian means I want what God wants. To follow Jesus means God, transform what I want so that it is what you want in every 
situation of life. We are not talking about fortune telling here. We're not talking about tarot cards and palm readings and I, I need to, we're not, we're talking about an intimate relationship. The, the psalmist said it like this in Psalm 103 verse 7. He says, you've made known your deeds to the children of Israel, but you made your ways known to Moses. In other words, Moses was so intimately connected with you that in every situation he would go, this is what the father would do. I, I, I know how to live my life. I don't have to be controlled by the what ifs. I don't have to be controlled by making sure I get it right. No, walk closely to God and then go, what would God do? As revealed in the person of Jesus, I know exactly the will of God because I know the heart of God and I know the wisdom of God. Now, let me just give you a couple of practical tips about decision-making and learning how to discern the will of God. And then I'm gonna share a story of, of our life and give you a case study of how we've come to discern this in our own lives. Number one, we discern the will of God by the word of God. It is one of the ways. It's not the only way, but I would say it is one of the primary ways. And why is that? Because the word of God is the revealed character and the nature of God. We have to be careful that we are not interpreting the word of God through our own grid, right? But where we allow the word of God to truly reveal who God is to ourselves. Another way of saying this is this, nothing will be the will of God that stands in direct contradiction to the word of God, right? You can't, you can't violate the word of God and call it the will of God. Okay, that's, that's, that's a no-no, that's, that's out of bounds, okay? You can't say, well, I really, I love her. I love her and God's a God of love. And so now I get to cheat on my wife because I love her and God's a God of love. Now, okay, um, not the will of God. Okay, number two, we discern his will by the inner witness of the spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to you, John 16, 13 says, to lead you and to guide you into truth. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit being like an umpire, right? In the game of baseball, you have an umpire there and the umpire watches where the ball is coming in and the umpire says, this is in the strike zone, this is out of bounds. The Holy Spirit serves as that umpire. He is the inner witness. He bears witness to you. This is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is truth, be careful of this. Yellow light, red light, that's the Holy Spirit. Learn to pay attention to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. He will keep you out of some things. So, so some of you guys who are young and entering into this relational territory, relational space, the Holy Spirit will give you peace. The Holy Spirit will say, this is good, this is right, this is wrong. Listen to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Number three, very practically, we learn how to discern his will by listening to wise counsel. Now, wise counsel is not always people who are our same age. And, I, and I, I'm looking specifically at our like 16 and younger population, maybe 24 and maybe 30 and younger population. There's something about the sages of people who have lived in God for 20 and 30 and 40 years. We've learned to navigate the, the rocky and emotional terrain of life. You understand what I'm saying? Let me say this another way. If, if you're just talking to people who have lived the same amount of life as you, it may not necessarily be wise counsel. Now, just because someone's old doesn't mean they're wise. We're talking about someone who has history in God and has a track record of a life of credibility. Ask God for these 
wise counselors in your life. You know, in the book of Acts chapter 15, there was a, there was a council of church leaders and they were trying to make a big decision about the future of the church. Paul was coming to them about the Gentiles coming into the faith. Those in the Jerusalem council were only kind of operating out of a Jewish paradigm of the church. And then these leaders got together and over a course of days, maybe even weeks or months, they wrestled together, they prayed together, they argued together, they listened to one another. And then out of that wise counsel, there was a discerning of the will of God. So much so that they said, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. All right, the next thing is discern the will of God by time. And what I mean by that is sometimes we hear something or we sense something and we assume it's now, it's immediate. There are some things that they just need to sit and you need to just hover over those things because maybe it's the right thing, but maybe it's the wrong time. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe she's not ready. Maybe it's not ready. Maybe it's just not the time for this. There is a timing to discerning the will of God and that takes patience I'm reminded of Mary, who when the angel showed up to her, he says, you're going to conceive the son of God. And the scripture says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Sometimes the very best thing to do with something we think is the will of God is not to say anything for a season. Just hover over that thing, pray into it, ask God for wisdom. Well, guys, let me give you a little bit of a case study here on, on learning to discern the will of God. And, and I use the word learning on purpose because it's a journey. And let me just say this pastorally over you guys. I never want you to feel paralyzed about trying to discern the will of God. The Father does not want you to be paralyzed over learning to discern his will. I would also say this to you. I would say that if your heart is towards the Lord, barring outright sin, okay? But if your heart is leaning towards God to please him and to honor him in all of his ways, guys, you can't mess it up. The redemptive nature and power of God is greater than our inability to discern the will of God. And if our heart is to know his will, he will reveal his will to us. He is a good father. It's not a twisted game where he's sitting back and we've got to solve all the puzzles. He's not the riddler, right? Right? It's not a pop quiz, and if we fail, then he gives it. That's, that's a twisted paradigm. God is saying, listen, I want to reveal my will to you. And in the event that you, you, you make a wrong choice, it's okay. I'm with you. Yes. I'm with you. Yes. We're going to repair this. We're going to redeem this. So let me just walk you into a story that began for us many, many years ago. In 2004, Christy and I were trying to discern the will of God in our lives. We were working at a small church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we knew, we had the sense that the winds of change were starting to blow. We had served in that church for about, about four solid years, and we were sensing that the Lord was moving us on. But we had a commitment that we weren't going to knock on doors, we weren't going to send out resumes, we weren't going to find headhunters. We were going to be patient, and we were going to lean in to the will of God. There was an opportunity that opened up for us to come here at this church, and it was not my first choice. And let me just say this, sometimes the will of God means it's a no to something we really want. Sometimes it's a no. There was actually a pastor that, uh, that my dad had discovered, and he was going to this man's church. His name was Bayless Conley, and pastor of a church in, in California named Cottonwood Christian Center. And I had this dream of working for Pastor Bayless. I wanted to, I, even, even in, in college, I was like, man, someday, I carried this for years, I'm gonna work for Pastor Bayless. 
I actually called Pastor Bayless before we moved, the day before we moved here to Colorado Springs. I called, actually, Pastor Bayless called me. And he says, hey, Jade, what are you doing? I says, I'm packing up my truck. I'm getting ready to move to Colorado. He says, why are you doing that? I said, because you never offered me a job. <laughs> the phone got really, really quiet. <laughs> and I was like, I'm kind of, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So, hey, what's happening in Cali? And anyways, um, we moved here the very next day, but Pastor Bayless never left my life. For the first six years that Christy and I were here in Colorado Springs serving as the associate pastors, executive pastors, missions pastors, youth and young adult pastors, Pastor Bailey would call me every six months and he would say, hey, Jade, I'm just, I'm just reaching out to see um, if you would pray about coming and joining us here on the team at Cottonwood. Every six months for six years. Now, keep in mind, I can't even begin to explain to you, this was my dream job. This is a mentor that I looked up to, and this was, this was the guy that I wanted to work for. He flew Christy and I out there one time, and on a trip, he drove us around the foundation of the youth building they were building. It's a thousand-seat youth auditorium, and he goes, man, this is, this is gonna be your, this is gonna be your youth building. And we're just, we're getting excited. We're dreaming about it. We wanted to do it. And every time, for six years, every six months, like clockwork, the Lord would say, not yet, not yet, not yet. The last time the Lord and I had a conversation about this was the summer of 2009. And when I said, Lord, would you release us to go serve at Cottonwood and work with Pastor Bayless? The Lord didn't say not yet. He said, son, so gracious. He said, this is the last time we're gonna talk about this. This is a no, and it's never gonna happen. Christy and I went through a mourning process. We didn't understand that, but four months later, Pastor Dutch asked if we would be willing to pray about becoming the senior pastors at Freedom Church at that time. And through a, through a process, we learned how to discern the will of God. We were nervous. We weren't sure that we wanted to do this. We weren't sure if we were ready to do this. We weren't sure if we wanted to yoke ourselves into this church indefinitely. And as we took time, as we leaned in, as we sought counsel in his word and in the inner witness of the spirit, God even began to use prophetic circumstances to speak to us and say, this is what I'm inviting you into. So sometimes the will of God is a no for something that you really want. Sometimes the will of God is an invitation to something that you could have never imagined. Friends, I would have never imagined that 11 years later we'd be here. I would have never imagined eight years setting up in CSCS. I would have never imagined leaning into the Lord and God naming this church from Freedom Church to Antioch and everything that that name meant to me at that time, studying through the book of Acts and realizing that we wanted this house to be a prophetic house, an apostolic house, a fivefold house, a a diverse house. We wanted to be a sending house, a missions oriented house, things that we fought for, things that we suffered for and struggled for. And over these past 11 years, I'm telling you, the Lord has, he has grown us up. He has shaped our desires in new ways. He has given us incredible blessings. When I look at the faithfulness of some of your lives, when I, when I see the way that you're living faithfully before the Lord, guys, I, I'm so glad that we're not in California. I'm so glad that the Lord said, not yet, not yet, not yet, no, son, this is never happening. I'm so glad the Lord invited us into something that at the time we were scared in our bones about, you guys. I can't even can't even begin to tell you how, how much fear and uncertainty were in our heart. We didn't know what this was gonna look like and we weathered some incredible storms. Our, our church had shrank from 800 down to 80 and, and the very next week after Pastor Dutch made this announcement, we looked around and there were about 20 people in the room. I mean, this, this, this church has weathered so much. 
I wanna bring you into an opportunity that came to us about 14 months ago. It was actually 14 months ago this weekend. I had a friend of mine preach in this church. And at the end of the service, he came and he said, Pastor Brady Boyd from New Life Church would like to see if you and the leadership of this house would be interested in joining the New Life family. And immediately when we heard that, it was a flood of emotions. It was a flood of thoughts. I shared it with Christy and she says, no, I'm not interested in that. We don't think that's, I don't think that's the will of God for us. But we told ourselves to pause. We told ourselves to slow down. And then we said, maybe we should enter into a process. So we scheduled a meeting. We asked a ton of big questions. All of the big questions that we asked were answered positively in our estimation. We reached out to wise counsel. There's a, there's a, a wise sage leader who serves as a form of an overseer in this house that I've known for over a decade. He's in his 70s, trusted Christian leader. And he said, Jade, if this is something God is inviting you into. And by the way, let me just share this. Sometimes the way that we discern the will of God is just by taking a step. It's like the Lord will give you 50 yards of light on your car. You know, if you're driving in the middle of the night and you're like, I'm going from here to Kansas, like the Lord doesn't shine light all the way from here to Kansas, right? He shines light on the next 50 yards and you take that 50 yards and he gives you another 50 yards. And that's what learning to discern the will of God is like. For us, it was like, we're not going to say yes. We're not going to say no. We're saying, God, show us what our next step is. And all along the way in these 14 months, we feel like the Lord has just given us a next step. So I, I reached out to Dennis Peacock and he said, Jade, I would not make any decisions for at least six months. Let your emotions subside. Let all of the activity in your mind, let it quiet. He was like, get you around some wise counsel and do everything you can to get to know these guys better. By the way, we've known some of these guys for over 26 years. We have a very long standing relationship with a lot of the leaders at New Life. So much so that we could say that a lot of these guys are, are trusted friends and they are trusted counselors. So we, we determined we're going to wait six months. And that six months actually evolved. And we said, we're, going to, we're supposed to have a sabbatical this year. We're going to take that sabbatical. And the Duncan family is going to go to new life. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. And we're actually going to take about 10 to 11 months just to let this, this decision settle in our bones. Let it settle in our spirit. We ended up having to cut that short because of COVID. We did not take a sabbatical, but we, end up, we ended up having a conversation with our elders around September. We invited wise counsel into this decision. The elders brought the staff into this decision and we all began to pray and we asked a lot of questions together. This very much was a decision that was shouldered by the elders and the staff and ourselves. That, that decision-making process came to a culmination about three weeks ago when our staff and our elders met together in this room with Pastor Brady and Glenn and Daniel. Those guys are senior associates at New Life. And we took another step. And we said, guys, we have some questions that we have for you. We want to all pray together. We want to keep this decision with open hands and submit it before the Lord. And the whole time, the posture of our heart was, God, we're trying to discern the will of God. Is this something you're inviting us into? And at the end of that process, we all emerged out of that room really having a strong confidence and a strong sense of agreement that the Lord was inviting us into this. So we made the decision that night that we are going to join the New Life family. We're going to be uh, what, their eighth church. They have seven churches. And we can explain more of what this is going to look like in the weeks to come but each of those churches are all radically different from one another. They're not cookie cutter franchise churches. No one's gonna be piping in videos from the mothership. 
Like we are going to be authentically who God has wired us and formed us to be all of these years. And the things that you have come to love about this place, I'm assuming that there are things that you've come to love about this place. <laughs> like, dude, I just came here today. I'm just trying to figure all this out. The things that many of us have come to love about this place, the hope and the expectation is those things that we've come to love can and will only get better. Yes. The natural fear is that the things that we've come to love are going to be taken away. And guys, I want you to know I resonate with those concerns and those fears, but I also, after 14 months of getting to know these guys, asking dozens of questions, having numerous meetings, going to their services every first Wednesday throughout the month of 2020, discerning by my, the inner witness of my spirit, bringing my friends along in the journey, I can say I really have a, song, a strong trust that the beautiful work that God has done here in 11 years, he's not going to just end it. Right. It was not for nothing that the Lord saved and preserved this church 11 years ago. It was not for nothing that the Lord had us say no to Bayless every six months for six years. I can tell you that I don't understand everything that's in front of us, but I can also tell you that I sense with every fiber of my being that, that the Lord is in this. And for me, that has become the steadying. And I understand also, too, that this is going to be a process for you that you're investing a lot of your relational trust into this decision. But what I can tell you is this, we have not taken this lightly. And at the end of this entire process, I came to a massive revelation just four days ago. The revelation for me was this, at the end of the day, and we've answered a lot of questions, we've had dozens and dozens of meetings, and I've done everything that I can to try to answer the hard questions and to frame all of this the way that I know how. And but what hit me four days ago, as the Lord reminded me of this story, my story, my story in Colorado Springs, he said, son, Antioch was never yours to give. Seventeen years here laying down our life, trying to be faithful, man. I'm telling you times where we just wanted to th just throw in the towel and walk away it was so difficult at times. I wasn't doing all of that to, to build a church that was my church. I wasn't doing all of that to build a better platform for me. I wasn't doing all of that so I could preserve my name or my dignity. Friends, what I've come to understand here just this week is that this is the church that Jesus has built. This is his church. I've done my best to be faithful I've done my best to be responsible. I've done my best to steward this church through a lot of difficult seasons. And for whatever reason, the Lord is saying, son, this is what I want to do with my church. There are things that I'm up to that you don't understand. There are things that are going to happen in this city because of this decision that you don't understand. There's a reconciling spirit that I'm going to release in the Colorado Springs and El Paso County. There's a unifying work. There's a kingdom expansion work. There are nations that are going to be touched and that are going to be reached because of this. Son, this was never your church to give. And that's one of the things that we have to learn about the will of God. Jesus said it best when he was fighting in the garden. He said, Father, not my will, but let your will be done. And in one of the most excruciatingly difficult moments of Jesus' life, he surrendered his will unto death. And, and this will be a form of dying 
for me and for some of us in this room who have carried the life of this house. But what I also know and I can tell you with great confidence is Jesus also said that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. And I just have this, this, I don't know, guys, this prophetic unction from a word that the Ebo shared with me last week, that everything that we've been praying, everything that we named this church to be, ascending house, a diverse house, a racially, uh, uh, ethnically diverse house, a soul-winning house, all those things, there's something about this move that is going to enable and activate those things to come into reality. And so I know that probably some of you guys have lots of questions, particularly those of you who are hearing this for the very first time. And, and friends, my appeal to you pastorally is, is walk with us. Walk with us. Let's not pull out because of the fear of what might be or may not be. Let's lean into what could be. And what we have built here together in 17 years of being in this church from Springs Harvest Fellowship to Freedom Church to Antioch, now to New Life Midtown, we're gonna be walking together, faithfully obeying God because this is not our church. As beautiful and wonderful and precious as it has been, this church is not our identity. It's not our idolatry. It doesn't belong to us. It's his and we, faithful, we faithfully follow him to be the church that he wants us to be and the expression that he wants it to be in this city and to the world. So Jonathan, would you come this morning as we approach the table of the Lord? I know I dropped a lot on you in the last few minutes, but guys, listen, I really think this is gonna be a good thing. I think God is up to something here. And I think it's going to be good. And remember, the will of God, ultimately, the will of God is for the ultimate good. We're going to grow. We're going to be awakened. We're going to know God better. We're going to see the gifts explode in this house. We're going to see a revival of lost people being baptized. Guys, I dream of baptisms in this building. We're going to see the lost come into the family of God. We're going to see fathers and mothers and big brothers and big sisters being activated to disciple people into the faith. We're going to see marriages restored. We're going to see young people decide to keep their lives and find purpose in God because that's who we are. We're going to equip people to live the kingdom life in a way that is attractive to the world because that's who we are. We're not only gonna keep our relationships, we're gonna expand our relationships and they're gonna be deep and intimate and authentic because that is who we are.